Hi. How are Hi. you? Hi. Good. How are you? Good. I'm showered. Nice. Uh, <laughs> how are, are you? you? I'm good. Uh, I'm showered as well. I just had breakfast, good. so there's that. Excellent. All right. And do you play keyboard? Um, no. I, I've owned that thing forever, but I keep promising myself to learn it, but I don't. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Is this lighting okay? This is okay, right? This angle and lighting is okay? It's fine. Yeah. Should I? Yeah. Okay, cool. I, yeah, don't, I, don't poke me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah. It's definitely one thing from spending so much time on Zoom and FaceTime over the last few months is that I've learned how to be more expressive with it and be like, ah, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or like I, feed someone, like I'm eating and then I'm like, yum, 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 you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Too bad it's not real, right? Like you can't push the food in, a, in somebody's face. No, no, but maybe, maybe they'll figure out, like it'll be like Star Trek or something. Yeah, like uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, yeah, even better. Yeah. Are you uh, calling me straight from... The Fiji Islands? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Fiji <laughs> Islands of Brooklyn. <laughs> nice. What part of Brooklyn are you from? Um, I Well, I live right now in Park Slope. But oh, I'm, nice. But I'm from Marine Park. Do you know Brooklyn? Yes. Uh, I used to work for a short while at the um, U-Haul on 4th and 6th. Oh, that's right by me. Yeah. Are you on the side on... Um, What's the next block over where there's a bunch of restaurants and there's a park over there? What's that park called? Prospect Park? No, I don't think it's Prospect Park. It's like the next block over and there's some bars. There's a great Columbia restaurant I used to like going to. Yeah, there's a park right on 5th between 4th and 5th Avenue and like 5th. Yes. Yeah. And there's like a little park there that's really cute. And then they have these, you said Italian restaurants right there, right? There's a, the only one I know of is a Colombian restaurant. Oh, Colombia. That's my favorite. Yes. The name of it is Colombia. The name of it is Colombia. And I've eaten, I've eaten outside three times so far, twice. But my first two places were at Colombia. I went to Colombia twice. Isn't there food good? What do you usually get there? (sighs) (laughs) I get the, I get the, um, there's like a breaded fried chicken cutlet that they serve with rice and beans and French fries, but the French wow. fries are seasoned. So yeah, they do a little pink beans on the side. It's really good. Ooh, that sounds good. I usually get, I get coconut shrimp. Okay. It's not breaded. It's in this sauce. That's like unbelievable. Yeah. So I get, I like their empanadas also. Okay. I mean, who doesn't like him? You have to be dead inside not to like empanada. I think. <laughs> I know some people who don't like empanada. I don't understand. I think every every most cultures have some sort of version of empanadas. Just yes. like most cultures have some sort of version of. Um, we're not recording now, right? No. Uh, yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. We are. Yeah, but that's fine. Just. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I didn't Sorry, think that the podcast was going to be about my thoughts on empanadas in every culture, but I grew up with like, with sort of a, a type of empanada, I guess. It, I don't know. What's like your the, culture, first of all, before? What's my culture? It's a little confusing. My parents are both Russian immigrants. Okay. 
um, and they're Jewish, and my mom is also Persian. Oh, okay. So it's they're like Persians who settled in the southern mountains of Russia. Okay. In the 1800s, and they still speak some dialect of Farsi. So really? the culture's kind of mixed. That's kind of two. They're both under, they're similar, but there's like two different big tribes. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's pretty straightforward. I get it. You get it. That makes sense to you? It makes sense to me. It's pretty, pretty simple. Did, um, did your parents, how old were they when they moved here? Teenagers. Uh, okay. So they met here, but they, um, yeah, how about you? What's, can I ask you questions? or is this No, just, you, can't me ask, you can't ask me anything. I can't ask you a question? No. Uh, yeah, I was born in Trinidad. Um, oh, you're West Indies. Yeah, there you go. Wow. And I moved to New York when I was 16 to live with my dad. Um, but I moved to Arizona three years ago. Why? That's a great question. Uh, no, I moved here for a job. Okay. And I was with them for three years, but I got laid off from COVID. So I started another job. I'm sorry. Two days ago. No, that's fine. But you got a new job. Yeah, I did get What's your, uh, what's your field? I uh, can't really talk about it because I signed a non-disclosure. Oh, you thing. can't talk about it. Okay. Yeah, Let but it's... Let it's... you want to start the podcast or what you want to do. <laughs> no. Um, so, well, thanks for, thanks for doing this with me. I know it's short notice. Um, yeah. I, I guess the reason why I wanted to talk to you is because I like talking to people who are really super smart and you went to... MIT, and you work for the CIA, which I know you can't talk about. So, sorry, I like talking to people who are much smarter than me and um, who I feel like have a lot of value in what their experience has been. So I know you went to MIT, you work for the CIA, which you can't talk about. Um, You started doing Ricky, and you left the CIA, and you also do comedy. So I think, like, um, yeah, it's a lot. But it's good stuff. Um, I've always wondered what it would be like to go into comedy. And I never had the, I guess, the motivation to start. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, how, if, I guess we could start with that. How did you leave your previous jobs and go into that? Go into, uh, um, well, I mean, like, I, comedy has been a thread, one of the threads of my life since I was like nine and then 19. And I actually was in an improv troupe at MIT called Roadkill Buffet, which is still going on. Okay. Um, So I did do some theater and comedy there. And then I started, I restarted comedy again around 26, which is a long time ago. And then I started stand-up 28. I started stand-up. I had this like, it was weird. I was like quantum jumping. I don't know if you know what that means or no. if that's like a normal thing. Sort of like I was imagining myself, I was 20 years old, eight years old, and I was imagining myself in my 50s okay. for some reason. I was 28 and I was like, if I'm 50 something years old, what am I going to regret not doing? All right. And then I decided to plan my life accordingly. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I think I didn't know there was a name for that quantum jumping. I think it's quantum jumping where you just kind of imagine yourself at different ages and you're like, what do I, what do I really need? Because we're making decisions from where we are. And 
I don't know if you're in tech or I don't, I have no idea what you're in, but like, I, I went to school for graphic design. So, graphic, so you're in graphic design, but there's yeah. a thing called like, I studied statistics too. And I studied a little bit of machine learning and all of this stuff. So basically what it is, is like, you're constantly updating the probability of things happening according right. to math and science. So Bayesian, it's called Bayesian updating. There's also machine learning which is what technology uses to figure out what ads to send us all the time. So when okay. somebody thinks about something and then it like comes up on your Instagram or whatever, <laughs> or, or Facebook Messenger is just listening to us and then updating it or based on your Google searches, you get these ads. This is machine learning. The, the tech around us is constantly changing based on what we're putting out there. So Man, what am I so, so I'm not batshit crazy when I think something and then I see an ad for it and then I say, yeah. are they reading my mind or are they? Are they reading my mind? Because I didn't even search for it. Right. Yeah. So they're that good in predicting what you're going to be into next based on what you previously searched for? It could be what you previously searched. It could be the ads that are want your demographic, men, your age, living in Arizona or whatever that is. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe figure out your orientation or your, you know, whatever based on your searches. <laughs> That's scary. <laughs> it's scary. Um, Could they be making more people gay based on their predictive ads, like pushing stuff? Do you think I, that's I don't a, think that's how that works. <laughs> okay. I'm just, I'm just, you know, if somebody's already questioning and then they put an ad and they're like, oh, my life is leading that way. You think I that's mean, a I know, I, I've personally been, I know some, a lot of people who are kind of, I think sexuality is a, a, a spectrum and people are, you know, I don't think it's just binary gay or straight. I think people are on this spectrum and that a lot of, I think that it's not as acceptable for men to be in that middle or in that spectrum. Okay. So, but I think there are a lot of dudes living there. Because I end up in relationships with them, so <laughs> so I know firsthand. So just blame the media. That's all. Just blame. No, no, it's just nature. There's no. It's it's just people's nature. Yeah. Not media. I I, I mean know. I, and media is created based on our nature. It's sort of like, does art influence? I don't. I don't think sexuality is created by media, unless you're doing like. I mean, we're really going down a rabbit hole now. Yeah, I, <laughs> I was stretching by saying that. I was just joking. Were? Okay, yeah. and I just like went in. I was yeah, like, yes, go for it. <laughs> no, because there's there's the improviser. If you said, did you ever do improv? Are you familiar with it? No. So an improv comedy, basically, it's um, somebody gives you a situation and you say yes and. So you say yes and then you add stuff and then they say yes and, and then you just end up going on this thing, which is what just happened. So right. I was using my improv. So um, basically, I guess what I was, uh, your initial question was, why did I start comedy? And the, the reason was, there was a part of me that felt like this was the way that I, and my relationship with comedy has been on and off. It's been like, you know, on and off. But I feel like this is the way that my soul wants to express itself in this lifetime. Okay. So, but One you did, the, sorry, go ahead. No, it's okay. I was going to say, so you did have, you have a background in it because you did theater and, and mm -hmm. in college. Why not do that full time instead of 
What did you study at MIT? Political I science? Studied, so I did, yeah. I studied political science and then I got a master's in applied economics uh, from Hopkins in my mid-20s. Um, I think that, I think that the, the way that I'm trying to live my life is to be as authentic as possible. So the question is to figure out like, okay, what is, most, what is the most authentic expression of myself? And if stand-up is my favorite, then go there. I have like no interest in doing theater, not really. Yeah. But stand-up is, stand-up is so exciting. So if you have the, it is one of the most exciting things to do because you get to write and perform your own material. Okay. You get to practice it all the time without depending really on other people. Like as an actor, you have to be, I mean, now people are producing their own stuff online a lot, but before you used to have to be cast in theater, have a theater run. It's, there are a lot of other people's approval that's based on it. But with comedy, you really just, you can really just go for it. There are no barriers to entry. Really? Do you remember your first feeling the first time you went on stage? Yeah, of course. What was that like? I couldn't open my eyes. You couldn't open your eyes. So I was standing there and I was so terrified and I couldn't open my eyes and I kept banging my head on the microphone by accident, like between one-liners. I would do these one-liners and I accidentally hit my head on the mic. It was an accident and then everybody laughed. And so it just became a thing that I did. I would say one-liner, people would laugh and then I'd hit my head and then they would laugh again. And it was just so... In retrospect, it seems so dumb, but it worked. Right, but it worked at the time. That's it like Kenneth. Yeah, that's yeah. like Sam Kinison. Kinison used to yell because he was trying to get over his anxiety. He was naturally like that, and so did Bobcat Goldwaite. He that that's what I'm thinking of, not Kinison. I was thinking of, of Bobcat. He his um, you know how he talks with that like high and low uh-huh. inclination. Right. Yeah. That's from his anxiety because he was super scared all the time. But if you listen to him now where he's way more comfortable with himself, he doesn't talk like that. So it's interesting how those ticks like come out. And, yeah. yeah. I wonder how um, there's also, what's his name? I can't remember. Um, really great comedian who, who I really love, who, who has a crazy voice. I don't know, I don't know. What's his name? I can't. Um, I, you're talking about that Asian guy? No, he's not Asian. He's a white dude. I can't remember his name. Oh, God. Now um, it's going to bug me. It's going to bug you. I have his book on my bookshelf. Um, what's, the, what's the name of the book? Something about balls. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a comedy. Um, I just Googled balls. <laughs> he was in Aladdin. He played the parrot in Aladdin. That's how we're going to figure Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Wilbert, Gilbert Godfrey. Gilbert Godfrey. Yeah, Gilbert Godfrey. I was going to open for him, and then, and then I, got, I got pulled or something. But yeah, Gilbert Godfrey. That's not his voice. It's not? No, he has a normal voice. That is not his voice. Okay. Yeah. Howard Stern blew him up because he left a message for... I mean, he knows Howard Stern, but he left a message for Howard Stern, and, and Howard Stern played it on his show and was mm. like... Okay. Um, Have you met him or you didn't meet him? I haven't met him. No, I was going to open for him, but I didn't. Open for him where? At Magooby's Joke House. Where is this? Baltimore. Okay. So you travel and do... I lived in D.C. for a long time. So I would... There were a lot of gigs around there. You would have to drive, but there were a lot of gigs. 
Yeah. How far would you have to drive to do a, a show? I mean, it varied. Sometimes it was nearby. Sometimes it was an hour. Sometimes two. I, I would. I would really. My far furthest show was in Ohio. Okay. Uh, from from New York, that was a long drive. Yeah, it's like five uh, hours or something, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I've I've done festivals in Kentucky and in Atlanta, so. Uh, I've, I've gone around not super far. I don't love, um, doing, I mean, now it's like, it's impossible. So, and it's dangerous. So I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. Wait. So did you, when COVID hit, were you involved in, like, were you participating in comedy? Like, were you active in it? And then what happened? How did it affect you? I mean, all the shows were gone. All the shows were were demolished. So So everyone's just like. It was good. I mean, New York City was shut down. New York City was, it's not like some other states right now. We really shut the city down. So mm-hmm. everything was closed. We were mandated, mandated quarantine. So there are no shows and no gatherings. There's still no gatherings. Now we're having gatherings outside. So I'm doing a couple of shows in person outdoors, but that's like a whole nother thing. And there aren't as many. But before, yeah. you can get up a few times a night in New York. That's normal here. Gotcha. Yeah, my uh, my aunt had it in New York, and she's older. She's seventy something, so she is enough. Yeah, no, she's fine now. Thank God. She um she went to the hospital and she was there for like five days and came back up. But um, I don't know. I feel lucky for not being in New York in the beginning, but now I'm in Arizona. We're like the worst state now. So, have you seen the news? Arizona's numbers are just like consistently climbing we've taken the lead yeah. i think next to florida as far yeah. as yeah yeah are you yeah so that's oh yeah i've seen the news it's dangerous yeah. at first new york was terrible and now new york is like one of the safest places to be so right well cuomo shut the whole city down right what was that like walking around manhattan did you like leave and go to manhattan or you couldn't i did not really go to manhattan until june Okay. And then I biked around Manhattan for 12 miles. I biked from Southern Manhattan to Times Square and back. And that was wild because everything, because um, it was crazy to see so many things boarded up in Soho and West Village and all these places. So it was wild to bike through the city. And also there weren't that many cars on the road. So I felt a lot safer biking in the city. People weren't really out there so it was it was surreal and it wasn't even it's been worse than what i saw but now i've driven through the city a few times the energy feels a little weird it's not as boarded up as before but are there people like walking around with masks or is it still like kind of like a ghost town oh people are wearing masks in new york almost everyone i think it's like pretty consistent so what made you jump from the CIA, I mean, I've heard you talk about it. You said you were, you, you had anxiety and uh, you passed out. Yeah. What was, was that, would you, I know you can't talk about the details of it, but would you say it was related to the work you did at the CIA? Or was it personal? Uh, that's a good question. I think it's a combination of both. I think that I don't belong in those kind of bureaucratic organizations. Right. So, you Why know, I'm a free spirit. Hmm? Why is that? 
I guess I, I keep coming back to this same thing about like working in a place and living a life that's in alignment with who I am. Right. So if I'm in an environment that is toxic to me because like, okay, so, you, so a fish swims well in water, you put a fish on the, on the sidewalk, the fish isn't doing so good. It's like, oh my God, this fish is an idiot. It's like, oh no, the fish <laughs> belongs in water. Right. So the fish doesn't belong on the sidewalk. Yeah. I belong on the sidewalk. I would have a hard time living underwater. I mean, I, I like to think of myself as a mermaid, but I'm not, you know? Yeah. Um, so I really just think people need to... Figure out what... Figure out their environment. Figure out an environment that works for them. A lot of people feel trapped. They feel like they can't live the life that they want. Yeah. And so that's, you know, that's an issue for a lot of people. I know. I, um, I didn't realize how important that was until I moved to Arizona and I started working in the office environment because I actually got a job in a, the art department of the headquarters of the company I was working for. But then being stuck in a, in a like cubicle from like eight to five is uh, I don't know. It's weird because it was all I worked myself up to. And then when you get there, it's like, wow, I can't believe. You can't do this. this. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the um, Buddhist teachings are about cravings and desires and that achieving so that people have this belief that when they achieve certain things, they're going to be happy. Right. And so we kind of put happiness outside of us. When I make this amount of money, when I have this partner, when I have whatever, I'm going to finally be happy. But the truth is that, I mean, we need to have our basic needs met, right? We need to feel safe. We need to have food in our fridge. And, but above that, like happiness doesn't really shift that much. Happiness is really something you can find in the day to day. So it is interesting to like work for things. I mean, I've had the same experience. You work for something, you work for something and you get there. And you're like, what am I doing? This was a mistake. Right. Yeah. I, uh, do you ever listen to Jordan Peterson? A little no? bit, but not really. So Jordan Peterson is this psychology professor. You know who he is? All right. Yeah. So I won't explain it because I've explained it like almost every episode so far to anyone I'm talking to. Okay. But um, he talks about that. He talks about how uh, at, I think at around $75,000, if you make at least $75,000 a year, any more you make doesn't, um, doesn't add to your happiness because all your bills are paid and all your needs are met. So like you got to figure out how to live to make yourself happy outside of your job, which is something I think comes with age as well, though, because I'm 35 now and I've realized that my job cannot be the source of my happiness. Like the things I do outside of it is what really is the meat and potatoes of making myself happy you know so would you say you've cracked the code and you're happy now like 100 percent. i mean i think that the process of being human is that there's you never arrive unless you hit enlightenment there's no the human brain is designed is not designed um to really be happy unless we work on it this is the monkey mind. The very nature of, of being a human being is chasing something and, and having it and, and working on yourself. 
So you mentioned that monkey mind on that the I forgot the girl's podcast. I'm sorry. Um, it's okay. Yeah. What was what was her name? Shout out to I've her. been on a lot of podcasts, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. So what's what's the monkey mind? Explain that. The monkey mind is a term in Buddhism that is this whole idea that the brain, when left to its own devices, just goes into spirals, negative thinking spirals, anxiety, depression. The whole purpose of Buddhism is very practical. It's not about a creator. It's not about worship. It's, a, it's really about um, controlling and managing your brain. When you manage your brain, you're able to manage your life. Mm. You're able to manage your happiness. And for just the nature of being human, it's a moving target. I like to, I like to think about it as sailing. I'm not a sailor. I've only gone sailing once, but imagine you're, you're, you are, you're on a boat on a sailboat and there are a whole bunch of sails and you have to see where the wind is going and make sure you're not going to hit shore or rocks or whatever. You have to adjust the sails constantly to sort of make sure that your boat is still going in the right direction. Yeah. And so I think of the brain as kind of a similar situation. The brain is something that we work on. I mean, people, even, even the Buddha, even after he became a Buddha, which is an enlightened being, he continued to meditate. He continued to sit. Did you, I feel like you know a lot about that. Like, is that part of Reiki? knowing the enlightenment portion or? Uh, technically, no. Is that something you just pursued on your own? I mean, I did, but I think that I, think that I was really in pursuit of happiness. I was in pursuit of ending my own suffering. What was your I, suffering? I mean, my suffering was vast. <laughs> <laughs> what was your suffering? It's like, let me give you my memoir, one, two, and three. <laughs> Give me a couple. Tell me what were you, tell me some of it. That I mean, I, mean I, 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 um, I have some trauma in my background. I, who doesn't, but go ahead. Who doesn't, right, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Who doesn't, it's part of the human condition. Um, I, I, my relationships haven't really worked out in my life, so. You're married know. twice, right? If I'm, I'm not married mistaken. married twice, yeah. So once when I was really young, um, at 23 and then at 30 32 I got married 32 and so my relationships have been a big struggle for me and also just um I think that I think that a lot of adulthood for me has been to remove all the programming that I received that wasn't for my highest good all the belief systems all the whatever all the difficulties of being human all the belief systems that we absorb, all the things from society, all the dumb shit people tell you, sometimes even when they're well-meaning, right. you know? And just removing all of that programming in order to be, you know, the person I want to be, that's just a lot of work. And going to therapy and then going to, going to healers. Because I started just like, I started going to healers when I was 26. And I guess I had a lot of, I had some physical um, ailments when I was younger that are gone away, which is great. Was the physical part, <clears throat> was the uh, result I, of the mental, you think? Or? I think so. Yeah. I think I have a very somatic uh, uh, body. So I think my emotions and my mind just really, it does for most people. 
there's the mind body connection, but for me, it seems to be a mind body super highway. Like it just, like, just gets in there. My body just shuts down when she's not happy. And you know, yeah. So were you having anxiety attacks? Sorry, I don't mean to laugh when I ask that question. <laughs> were, you, were you having anxiety attacks? Like what made you pass out when you, um, I had anxiety. I had migraines. Mm-hmm. Um, and anxiety and depression. So the migraines seem to, I think women tend to get migraines. I don't know. Maybe I'm generalizing. A lot of more women get migraines and they're, they are, can be connected to hormonal imbalances. Mm-hmm. So when the women's health, yeah, when just even just going through a cycle of all of the different hormones that happen in, in a monthly cycle can cause migraines for some people. That's unfortunate. It is Sorry. unfortunate. One more thing that you got to do as a woman, right? As if everything <laughs> else wasn't, in, wasn't right. bad enough. Right. Um, did I answer your question? I think I did. What was the trauma? But yeah, I feel like we're, you, you asked if I'm 100% happy. I don't think I don't think it's possible to be a hundred percent happy. Really? Maybe. Maybe it's possible. How high of a number could we get to, do you think? I think eighty percent. No, I am at eighty percent. That's pretty good. Regular yeah. people, I think you can be at a hundred percent. Maybe. I'd agree I don't, with you. I would say not. that eighty percent is where I'm at and I think Maybe this is just my ego, but I'm like 80% is the most anyone could do since I'm doing 80. You know what I mean? Who knows? Maybe somebody could get to like 99. I think that that if you, for me, I think to get to that level of happiness, I would uh, probably just live in the mountains and meditate all day. (laughs) I would have to remove myself from society. I would have to live in these plastic mountains. (laughs) (laughs) I'm curious to know what's behind it. What's behind what's what? behind your mountains? <laughs> you mean what? What this is? No, no, oh, no. Behind like, it, it's just yeah. the wall. It's just the I got wall. You. <laughs> I got you. It's not um, a. This is a. This is a. Which? What do you call this? This is a wallpaper. Gotcha. Decal. Um. So, what would you, if you could do anything in the world, if you could live any life, what would you? What would your ideal life look like? If you could drop anything and money was no option. Great question. What would my ideal life look like? You know, I think about this a lot. I think it would be more balanced in my life. I think I would not feel overwhelmed. I think my life is, I'm going to live in a nicer place. I would like my apartment to be better. <laughs> but besides that, then I would, I would perform more music. Mm. I mean, well, I do play music, but I would perform. I would probably, I'd probably balance the performance. Um, I think for me, it's like balancing healing and performing. And I would have a partner. Yeah. Yeah, which is, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I have my family and I have a ton of friends, but, you know. Are your friends also in comedy? A lot of them, but not all of them. I mean, I'm friends with the guys on the show that you watch. Um. <laughs> I only watched it once and I wish it was just poor timing because I feel like it was a great place to see comics like I didn't even realize uh, Judah Champworl was um, Freelander like I didn't realize, you that's didn't realize. I didn't realize that's who it was I, the way I came across that Zoom show was that I've been searching out um, 
comedy shows on meetup.com. And the reason why I've been doing it on Meetup is because I want to see comics work out their material because I always hear it from the big names that comics work out their material before they actually put together a show, right? So, so I wanted to see what that process was like to see if I could do it. And so I went on meetup.com, saw like a free meetup, saw the Zoom link, clicked on the link, and I was like, oh, this is happening right now. And so I came into the room not knowing it was set up like outside by um by and the main headliner was freelander and so i just sat there trying to not knowing who anyone was but enjoying what was happening and then while the show was going on i was googling people and so at the end of it i was like holy shit that's a guy from 30 rock he just asked me a question and i gave him a snarky answer and I didn't know who it was, but I feel like I enjoyed stop it. Stop making snarky answers. Yeah, stop. Right, now I know. But um, I think that's why and how I watch that show is just to see. Um, because you want to do stand-up. I think I want to. I think I want to get into to some form of entertainment. And I think, like you said earlier, how the older you get, the more you want to live life without regrets where you want to do things that you want to do and so yeah. i'm like maybe i should give that a try because i i try the podcast is one of those things sure. i've always wanted to be some kind somewhat of an entertainer but i never really got around to it and so mm-hmm. i had the idea to do the podcast and talk to people i'm like i really everyone's so busy in this day and age you can't really talk to people who you find interesting anymore unless you sit us you set aside a block of time right like right. if 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 it wasn't for a podcast or this format and you got a random email from me, Hey, can I talk to you for an hour? That would be kind of weird. Right. But the fact that we're talking and we could share it, it's like, there's something to that. So I feel like right. I do want to try it, you know, try stand up at least once, but it's just like, I don't know where do you start? You know? Well, I think that there's a great book called the comedy Bible. Okay. And there's a new one called The New Comedy Bible, both by Judy Carter. And it's not a piece together work of different comics. No, it's um, it's helping comedians find their voice and write jokes. Gotcha. That was a Bible reference. Yeah. Yeah, it went. See? So, <laughs> I should probably read the book before I try. Read the book. <laughs> yeah. uh, there, there there are workshops that you would I I think the right thing to do in the beginning is to join like a, a workshop, write jokes, learn how to write the joke structure, present yeah. it to a group of other people who are doing the same thing, workshop it together, and then perform it in front of people. So do you guys exchange notes, basically? Like you would, you would write a joke down and you'd pass it to someone else and say, hey, what do you think? Or would you perform it and then... Most comedians at this point just perform it. Some comedians have writing sessions with other comics. I have other comics that I have writing sessions with. But that's like a real delicate dance. Writing partners are very, you know, you really have to let all, you writing, choosing a writing partner is a delicate thing. You know what I mean? It's like trust, like picking up a partner. It's trust and it's also that you can help each other and, you know, but um, if you're brand new 
I think workshopping is, is the right way to go because you don't, you don't know how to, to do your thing yet. Yeah. Who's your writing partner right now? Uh, Freddie G. The orange uh, Freddie G who's on the show. Redheaded guy. He is my writing partner right now. Okay. So uh, your life is – sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say you, you're pretty productive from what I gather. How do you stay so cuz you're work you're doing love and love and light healing? Love and light services. Yeah, love and light love reiki. Reiki. Mm-hmm. How does uh, has covid affected that business as well? Yeah, of course. I mean, I'm seeing most of my patients and my clients in person. And so I couldn't do that for like 4 or 5 months. Really? Yeah, I just reopened this week um in Manhattan and I'm trying a new place in Brooklyn. I've had a lot of digital sessions, so I have virtual sessions, but it's not as many as I had in person at all. Gotcha. Well, that's a bummer. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's okay. It's yeah. just part of life. How long have you been doing Reiki now? Five years. Yeah, that's a long time. It's a long time. It's not something I thought I'd be doing for this long, but uh, here it is. I've made a lot of um, connections and friendships and relationships from there that I like never really expected. How, so as from what I understand of Reiki, it's like you're, explain what it is. I don't want to make any assumptions. No, go ahead. I want to hear your thoughts. My thoughts on it. It Mm -hmm. seems like you're attempting to dispel negative energy from a client. Is that a fair assessment? Um, the word bal- restore balance is probably a better assessment. Can you hear me? See me? Yeah, I could hear you. The video is in and out. Okay, there you go. It's better now. It's uh, restore balance is maybe a better way to say it. So it's restoring balance to, on a very basic level, it's restoring balance to various energy centers that are in the body. And the specific energy centers are um, in various places. There's seven main chakras. They're called chakras. And restoring, let's say there's a heart chakra, solar plexus, sacral, uh, root, third eye, throat, crown. Every chakra has a different uh, purpose, different meaning, different Mm. things that it impacts. And there are also many chakras all over the body. So I work all over the body. Um, I do a lot of shamanic practices. Um, I, I Basically, I use spirit and energy to move and to restore people's, I work mostly with mental health, to restore people's balance. So what's a, a, a session? What's a, mm-hmm. a typical session like? Typical session is around 75 minutes. Um, I talk to someone about what's coming up for them, like what's going on with this person, what makes them, what makes them want to come in. And then they're on a massage table facing up, clothes on. I play music that's very specific that are incantations. And then I will work, my hands will be above the body, sometimes on the body in various places. And they will feel a lot of energy moving through them. I will tell them what is intuitively coming up for me, for them. And I will, and they, they, there's a lot of, there's, it's a somatic experience. There's a lot of feelings. They feel a lot of things moving and then they get up and they're refreshed and they move through a lot of emotions and whatever's coming up for them. Does that make sense? Not really. I'm sorry. 
When you say somatic experience, what do you mean? What's that word mean? A somatic experience means that there's something that they're feeling things in their body. So let's say my hand is above the heart. They will feel movement and tingling inside of their body. And they might have memories of like an ex or let something go or something happened with their mom or dad and they will have memories and they might cry and they might process that feeling and then we'll feel relief. And are you guys talking to each other throughout this process? Yes and no. Sometimes not really. Not really. So who's doing the talking there? They're telling you. It's like a little bit of talking. It's back and forth. Sometimes I'll just tell them, I'll be like, okay, your throat trap is blocked. Especially if it's uh, over over video or phone, then I'm, I will do more talking than if I'm in person. So I can make sure that they're really with me because I'm not with them in person. So I will be, I will do a guided meditation for them. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll how- say, visualize this and visualize that and feel this and feel that. I'm working on your left shoulder. I'm working behind your head. I'm working on your right knee, whatever. How do you, it just comes to you? Like what, like if a certain, like you said, throat chakra, right? And you yes, said that? Come. Yes. Interesting. But it comes uh, to me because I've worked on my intuition for years. It doesn't just come to me by accident. How do you, I have so many questions about that. Okay. Then ask, this is your podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> No, thanks. <laughs> I, just, I just don't know where to start. Like, how do you know what, like, how do you work on your intuition? How do you know where, where someone's chakra is clogged? Do you, did you go to school for it? Were you trained by someone else? Yes, I was trained by someone else. Mm-hmm. Who, okay, who were you trained by? He has, a, his name is David Wright, and he has... It's called Life Force Practices in D.C. That's where I was trained. How long did you train for before? It's, it's hard to say because the, the training is, it was really, it was one-on-one. I didn't go through, I didn't go through like a school, you know? Yeah. So tune you at different times. They're called attunements at different levels. This world is really alien to you. You have no idea what I'm talking about. No, I have no idea what you're talking about. This is but, all um, very confusing and weird. Yeah, maybe a little. It's just, uh, it seems like, <laughs> I heard you say, um, or you posted something that said Mercury is in retrograde. So what was that? Yeah. What, what was your post? Sorry. I posted something saying Mercury, you're not supposed to text your ex during Mercury in retrograde. So I just right. showed up at his house. Right. <laughs> Which is funny. Um, how do you know, like, are you, so you read, what is Mercury, first of all? Mercury is the planet of communication. So Mercury in retrograde is astrology. It's not right. Reiki. So it, yeah. It's, okay. Mm-hmm. So it's and not it's connected. Also, no, but I mean, Reiki is something that a lot of spiritual people like to do. Astrology is something a lot of spiritual people like to do. So it's more like, you know, if you like monster trucks, you might like UFC fighting, but they're not related. <laughs> I see. I don't you know follow. if that <laughs> No, it makes sense. I somehow thought that it was uh, it was connected. Related. Yeah. No, not really. Astrology is not connected to Reiki. No, Reiki is okay. really 
um, a process of moving, moving and aligning and balancing energy throughout the body. And when I say it's a somatic experience, I mean, it's not like I did Reiki, you feel like nothing happened and then you go home. You, it's just like a, it's a, it's a really deep experience for those who experience it. I see. It sounds like yoga, but someone else is doing all the physical work. <laughs> yoga is designed, I mean, yoga is obviously a lot more complicated than what uh, people do yoga in the United States. You know, the whole history of yoga and what that's really about is really not represented here well. Um, but yoga does align the chakras. Right. Mm -hmm. And it does, when I do yoga, which it hurts my body, like I don't, I don't like doing it physically, but um, it does, um, my intuition comes in really strong. When you do yoga? When I do it. I haven't done it in a long time. Why is that? You said that it hurts. Uh, it hurts my left knee. It's old people problems. <laughs> You're not that old. No, but my knee is definitely not always cooperating. Yeah. Well, so I have a, I got hit by a car when I was 16 and I have, my left knee is just, is done for, but my knee feels better when I do yoga. Really? Well, yeah. that's good. Maybe you have an energetic blockage. Mine in your knee that yoga seems to strengthen or help. Huh. But I mean, there are a lot of issues that one could have with the knee so for some people it helps some people it does not help. makes it worse mm -hmm. i'm sorry i wish yoga helped you because then i Thank can you. say hey you just do yoga <laughs> um so what are your what are your questions about reiki because you seem you said you had a lot it just it seems it sounds and i don't want how do i say this politically correct it sounds outside the realm of what I would consider that I could piece together as logical, if that makes sense. Sure. You know what I mean? So I yeah. just, but I'm curious about it. I mean, I believe that if something, if someone does something and it helps them, then more power to you. You know what I mean? I mean, so, there, there are peer-reviewed journals that prove that Reiki does work for depression and anxiety. Yeah. People have done um, legitimate scientific studies on it. Okay. I don't want to, I didn't mean to insult. No, I, mean, I don't feel I, insulted. It's yeah. just that it works. There's a lot. Here's the thing. Some cultures, basically all of them, really, that go back, um... I go back a ways, have a relationship between the known, this world, and the unknown, between the physical world and the spiritual world. And most of the West is disconnected from this. It's disconnected from spirit. It's disconnected from the unknown. It's disconnected from intuition. And it's disconnected from, let's say, the divine feminine energy. Most of the world is rooted in facts and does not surrender, does not trust, and does not connect with the wisdom that is within. So your feelings about this is, are legitimate, and they are in line with how this world primarily works. The way that I move through the world is, is to dance between intuition and to dance between spirit and reality, as in 3D reality. 
Okay. Does that make sense? Uh, I got to think about it. Well, yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. I just got to figure out how do I, uh, how do I, I'll have to know more is what I should say. You know what I mean? Like I'll have to. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's a whole journey. It's, it's really a Alice in Wonderland experience. It's really a matrix matrix experience. Which pill do you take? Which rabbit hole do you go down? Yeah. Do you want to experience, what kind of life do you want to experience? Do you want to just be where you are? Or do you want to connect to a greater force that guides you? So do you have clients that have actually done Reiki and their lives changed in a certain regard? Sure. Yeah. I mean, mine did. Yeah, my life changed completely. It continues to change. Some people use Reiki as kind of an alternative to therapy. Mm. Or um, my favorite is when people use Reiki and therapy because then they get the talking out, they work with their cognitive mind, and then they work with their spiritual body. So I think that that's the best way to approach it. But some people just use Reiki as like an alternative to therapy. Yeah. And so some people, that's what they need. Some people are disconnected, you know, in their brain, they feel okay, but in their body, they're holding onto so much stress and so much stuff. And they want to connect to something deeper and they want to connect to something greater than themselves. I feel like that's, it's not a normal thing though, where most people feel like they want to connect to, or, I mean, we're always searching, right? Well, at least if you have, if you want a better life. Right, right, right. Because there are people who don't seek. There are people who are totally fine with just posting memes on Facebook all day. And, and I mean, I think that that is a spiritual practice if you want it to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's religious for sure. Um, yeah. Are wow. there, so the question is, does, is everyone like that? No, I don't think everyone is like anything. I mean, I don't, I don't think everyone's like that. I think a lot of people are like that. But Reiki is kind of, it's not fully mainstream. So I think yeah. you're right in that. It's not something everybody does. I think it will become mainstream as time goes on. I mean, when my teacher started doing it in America, it was like 35 years ago he started or more, maybe 40 years ago. Yeah. Nobody was doing that. Everyone thought he was insane. <laughs> he, like, does he still practice now? Yeah. He's, he's, how old is he? 67 or 68? He's still oh, practicing. Wow. Yeah. I mean, he moved to the Philippines for three years. He just stayed in the jungle and he learned from the shamans there. And he just came back after three years and was like, okay, this is what I'm doing. And everyone's like, you're insane. Cause he was on wall street. So I guess it was like a really similar story to mine. Yeah. What is, I've noticed that a lot. What is it with some people who have really structured or seem like really structured lives? And really, I guess, they've established themselves somewhere in the corporate world. And then all of a sudden, poof, they go east. And Because it's not the first time that I've heard that story. I was reading a story about a guy who um, was a successful trader on Wall Street. And then he left and he went to be a Buddhist monk. And then, yeah. And then after like... I don't know, 10 or 20 years, they 
named him like the happiest man on earth or something like that. And then he came back. What do you think that stems from? Because you kind of did something similar, right? Like you I did. Yeah. What? I mean, I can't speak to this uh, traitor to. Um... Yeah, I, I, I know. But what do you think the source of that is, is from? It's just... because the structure of our lives, our lives are built on unhappiness. We're taught that if we follow these various things, that we're going to be happy. And then we do it and we're not. And then we're like, you know what? I'm going to do whatever I need to do to get my mind right, to get my spirit right. Yeah. And that's what people do. I mean, some people do, right? I think very few people actually attempt it, it, though. Yeah, I don't think enough people try to break the cycle. I mean, some people are happy in corporate America. Some people are happy on Wall Street. If that's what you're, if that's in alignment with you, then whatever, do, do you boo, you know, but if, <laughs> yeah, but if it's not, then it's hard to stay there. Right. And then everything you're there feels like an act of self-betrayal. Feels like you're betraying yourself and that you're dying inside. Yeah. Fortunately, I'm not there. Thank God. No, I'm glad you're not there. <laughs> um, so you think, you think that most people, it's a, it's a common story, but not most people, most people don't do it. Is that what you're saying? I think the trend is hard to ignore. The trend of um, people working very structured lives, going through the education system, um, getting to the career and then leaving it and doing something really, what we, you would, you would consider it to be obscure. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think the trend of that happening, especially in now, in today's society, that trend is undeniable. Like you can't deny that, right. especially with the internet where so many people are, are, are myself included, just going to the internet to find a sense of community, I guess, which is strange because we still haven't figured out this technology thing yet, right? Like how it's going to impact no. us as human beings. No. Like we don't know if it's good or bad. I mean, it's a tool like frozen or maybe it's both well yeah i believe it's like it's a tool like anything else where it could be good and it could be bad depending on how you use it as human beings we tend to use things not for their intended purpose right like but the majority almost always ends up using things for bad than they're good but i don't know that's debatable i guess that's a different conversation right yeah do you agree or disagree? I mean, on which part? Because one is like, you feel like there's a trend of people leaving. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't, maybe, I mean, I think people are getting more and more, especially millennials. I, I don't know what Gen Z is going to do. Um, but so far I'm proud of them, you know? Um, yeah. But you know, our economy is changing too. So the corporate jobs aren't, the job stability is not the stability of our parents' generation. Right. So I think that there are multiple reasons. We can't really take ourselves out of our society and out of, what, and out of our economy and out of our, our whole system. But the system is changing. The system isn't working for a lot of people. So people are trying to find fulfillment. 
And yeah. they're like, oh, the stories my parents told me that I, or my parents or my teachers or society was like, get married, have, buy a house, have kids, live this kind of life, do this, that. Um, and this is, this is already a privileged group, right? Because there are people who are food insecure and all this other stuff. So we're assuming that their basic needs are met. And then once their basic needs are met, they're like, okay, how do I actually get more fulfilled? You're yeah. asking? I mean, I think it's a good trend if it is happening. Yeah, I think corporate America or how should I say it? A lot of the major big companies are squeezing themselves out of success like the college education system did. Because the college yeah. education system, they destroyed themselves. They turned <laughs> education into a business and then focus more on ideologies than actually educating and teaching people how to think. And I think corporate America is doing the same thing where they're trying to squeeze more work out of a human being than is realistic to expect. And I think that what's going to happen is people aren't going to support it anymore, just support the system in general. And I think people are going to figure out how to generate income without them, which is, I think that's a good thing for the future. I know we said an hour. The gig economy is also hard though, too. You said what? The gig economy is also hard. There's a lot less financial stability in it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I can't, I've never worked for corporate America, so I can't even like, I don't even know. You don't <laughs> you consider know? your CIA work corporate America? No, I mean, it's government. So it's a different animal. Yeah. Definitely a conservative environment, but I don't think it's the same. Because the whole, the whole purpose is we were mission-focused. You know, we weren't profits-driven. Yeah. There was no conversation of profits ever. There's no... When you're a government worker, that's not a thing. I want to ask you about CIA, but I can't. <laughs> Well, at least, so the rest of us get FBI agents assigned to monitor our social media accounts. You have a CIA I mean, agent? I, I mean, uh, I don't think, I think, that, I don't think that's true, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are a lot of people here. Yeah. Maybe that's, maybe that's the, the next uh, business boom, right? Everyone maybe is assigned that, to somebody maybe else. Do that. <laughs> yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. All right. Well, we're at an hour. Um, I don't know. What's your day looking like? Do you have more? That's the last. Sorry, say that again. That's the last. Do I have to sign? Should I sign off? No, no, no. I have one more question for you that we didn't answer, which is you seem to be pretty balanced and highly productive because from what I've noticed about what you do, you have Ricky, you do comedy. Like, how do you find the energy and motivation to do so many th- different things? Because that's a struggle. I know, I know people who, I mean, I tend to do a good job at it, but I know people who go to work and then come home and then they can't find or muster the energy to do anything else. So your question is, how do I balance Reiki and comedy? How do you balance your life in general? It's hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> it's really hard. It's really a challenge. I try to keep small promises to myself. I try to listen to my body when it has to ha- I 
my nature is to do too many things and my nature is to work really hard. That's what I like to do. That's yeah. the kind of person I am. Um, so I think that I try, like I meditate every morning, I pray, I do r- rituals to go to sleep. I, I do whatever I need to do to stay balanced. So I listen to my mental health and myself first and I don't hesitate to say no when things are too much then I'll take things off my plate in order to come back to balance and then I can start again. I don't know if that answers your question. I guess oh, so. It answers it completely. Makes sense. Yeah. So I have to put my mental health first. I have to put myself first. Good. Thank you for doing this Thank with me. Thank you so much for I having know, me. Yeah. I know sometimes it got a little intense and boring, but. I'm- I don't mind. I mean, yeah. not boring. But I'm intense all the time, so it's all. Are you really? <laughs> I guess. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah.